everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show, Thursday Night Football, TNF Club, week 15. We have done this for the last 15 weeks. I, hard to believe. Presented by Trust, presented by Matchbook. We'll get into that in a minute. Join Colin, Brian. Mark's on a bye week tonight, but delighted to welcome a guy that works at KC Sports Network. Previously worked with the Chiefs uh, over the last, uh, I think he spent six years there. BJ Kissel. BJ, very, very warm welcome to the show ahead of a stacked and a massive Thursday Night Football for both teams. Yeah, no, this is going to be a big one. This is what uh, this is what you want. You want divisional games. You want Thursday, finally a Thursday night game. It's two good teams going up against each other. It always feels weird to play on Thursday night, but for this one, uh, it's one to get up for. It's going to be, it means a whole lot to both teams. And that's exactly what you want. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously being with the Chiefs there for six years as well, I'm presuming that you go over to London at the time, but have you ever been to Ireland yourself as well? I have not actually, my wife and I had a trip. We were going over to Iceland and uh, we were going to make a pit stop <laughs> in Ireland. I want to go golfing. Uh, that's somewhere there. I didn't have a core. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just know I wanted to go golfing in Ireland somewhere, but have not made it there, but I was able to go over to London uh, a few years ago to, to Wembley uh, and stay and, and take the tube around. And just once I finally figured out the tube and how to get around, we left. <laughs> So it took me about two days to figure it out. And then we were out of there, but uh, no, it was got to do all the tourist things. And we were there um, outside of uh, going up. And uh, there's one thing they didn't get a chance to do um, going and seeing where the Beatles were at. But other than that, got to see everything else. And it was a really cool trip. Well, hopefully you can make it over to, to golf in, in Ireland at, at some point. And there is somebody with quite a, a strong connection to Ireland at the Chiefs, and that's uh, Brendan Daly, who we mm -hmm. had the, the good fortune to speak with Brendan in the run up to, to the Super Bowl and also some of the players and how Chris Jones and Frank Clark talk about Brendan. And then he came, mm -hmm. we spoke to him earlier in the, the season. And um, I just, I suppose, thinking in terms of what we saw with, with the Chris Jones move where they put him to the edge and, and now he's back inside. Um, just, I suppose your, your thoughts as somebody kind of close on, on the ground there who kind of hear the fan perspective, just in terms of that move and, and maybe in, in terms of just the, the chiefs line and Brendan uh, interested in hearing your thoughts. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I was, unfortunately, I only was able to spend a year around uh, coach daily because he had come that last year. I was there when they, won the Super Bowl with, with Spagnolo, but um, definitely going from, you know, Tommy Brazier, uh, who's the, the Chiefs defensive line coach the year before, and obviously Burt Reed was there. Uh, their personalities are a lot different than Brendan Daly. Uh, Brendan Daly is going to yell and scream and get in your face, and the guys love him. They love his energy. They love everything about that from, you know, from my experience and talking with him, but uh, for me to go from, you know, a coach and I think Tommy Brazier is, you know, like 97 years old uh, legend in the game of football, but he was much older, much quieter to go from him to, <laughs> to Brendan Daly uh, and the energy that he brought was different, but man, like what Brendan Daly, what four Super Bowl wins now, I think he had three with the, with the Patriots. So the guy obviously knows how to get the most out of his players. Um, and with Chris Jones specifically, uh, another, you know, different personality, kind of a happy go lucky type guy. Uh, whereas Frank Clark's kind of the, you know, I'm going to rip my arm off and like Frank Clark's the guy you want, like dark street walking down, like, you know, want a guy with you just to make sure everything's going to be okay. Like that's Frank, <laughs> like that's Frank's the, the number one guy you want in that situation. But, uh, Chris Jones, I know there was a lot made about him going inside and, you know, playing more defensive end earlier in the year. 
Whereas in the last couple of years, if you look at some of those, those numbers, he'd moved around a lot. You know, it's not the first time Chris Jones had slid, slid outside. It seemed like any time the chiefs pay, played, I want to say like Lamar Jackson, like some of those uh, scramble type guys where they would want to crash or bull rush the ends to kind of limit uh, where a quarterback could go as far as scrambling uh, in those situations, they would put Chris at defensive end to kind of get a heavier defensive end to bull rush the tackle to kind of drive him back to kind of limit that angle of kind of how to escape. So it wasn't the first time Chris had played outside, but I think we saw early in the year against the the Ravens specifically with their RPO game that they kind of expose expose the bad word because it's not what Chris is meant to do. But they would kind of run those, you know, Chris would be the unblocked defensive end. They would run that RPO game at him. And he's just not laterally athletic enough to handle, you know, reading some of those plays. And not very many players are, to be honest. That's a 3-4 outside linebacker type read uh, to do. And so I think seeing that was tough for all of us because as soon as you saw those plays, like Chris can't do that. And once it was put on film, something you're going to see a lot. Uh, unless they fixed it, slid him back inside. Now Melvin Ingram joining the Chiefs was a huge part of allowing Chris to slide back inside a defensive tackle. Uh, but even now, you see Frank Clark lining up over the A gap. They, they move these guys around all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I think Brendan Daly's absolutely brought the best out of Chris. He's brought a, a fire. Uh, to that position, to kind of getting this happy-go-lucky guy with all the talent in the world. I think he kind of lit a fuse under him, and I think if you ask Chris, Frank Clark had a lot to do with that too. BJ, as a Giants fan, I've got a great affection for Steve Spagnuolo. He, he was our defensive coordinator when we beat the Patriots in that great Super Bowl. Um, when they went to Washington, I think it was week, week six, and he made some changes within the defense. And from that point on, the defense has greatly improved. Is there any particular or any turning point that you feel has come along during the season that's improved because the last three games have only given up nine points per game it's a, it's a huge turnaround from the fourth quarter of the season yeah it's kind of the million dollar question right now and nobody wants to at least i shouldn't say nobody i don't want to give too much credit to to melvin ingram specifically but if you look at the numbers and when they kind of turned it was when melvin ingram you know joined the team they gave up a sixth round pick to the steelers brought him over mid-season and you got people locally, some of the local media here are calling him the greatest, you know, midseason pickup in NFL history. Because you don't see impact from guys in football, may, like when they're picked up midseason, you don't see big impact from those. They may make a couple of plays in big situations, so you kind of talk about their impact as being bigger than it is in some ways. But he really has made this huge dif dif difference for the defense. So while I hesitate to give too much credit to any one player uh it's hard to to not mention melvin ingram right off the bat as to having that third guy frank clark is finally healthy chris jones is one of the best players in the league and when you add that third guy it's really hard for offenses to account for all of them like one of them is going to be unblocked one of them is going to be one-on-one -on -one, and when they're healthy playing the way they are one of those guys is going to beat a one-on-one -on -one 70% of the time. And so you're going to get pressure. You're going to see those situations. So the biggest difference for me, I think Melvin Ingram is a huge part of that. It's funny because locally Chiefs fans don't like to talk about it because they were calling, you know, for Steve Spagnuolo to be fired, you know, two months ago, they don't want to talk about that. Now they're going to act like they didn't say that, but you know, locally Steve Spagnuolo was telling the media we don't feel like we're that far off. Like we feel like we're really close to being a good defense. 
And at the time, Chiefs fans were looking at the numbers of a historically bad defense from a yards, points given up, all those things, calling this guy crazy, saying he's out to lunch. He's just saying that because he's trying to save his job. And two months later, best defense in the league. And everyone's like, we knew it the whole time. It's like you tried to fire him two months ago. Uh, just because that's how fans, we all are, you know, you get passionate about it. But, you know, I think a lot of it is leadership. I think they stayed the course with how they went about preparing every week. And so, you know, for me, I always give credit to guys like Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and those Anthony Hitchens, the veterans who have been there that told the young guys, we're not getting the results we want, but continue prepping, watching films, studying, going about your craft the right way. Cause when you start changing things and trying to prepare different is when you have all kinds of problems. So stay the course. They did that. They came out on the other side of it. Now they're being rewarded. I think a lot of it has to do with leadership, health, but um, I can't give Tyron Matthew enough credit. BJ, it would honestly be a miss of me if I didn't at least talk about your background here from, from what we can see. You know, obviously six years with the Chiefs, 2014 to 2020, you, that, now that is a roller coaster there. You know, you had the <laughs> London game, you had another AFC West team winning it all. That's difficult enough because I've been through it since. We, like it's, it's been there. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Smith. Fans thought Peyton Manning was coming to Kansas City back then. Like I remember that, and we thought he was coming to Kansas City, and then he spurned us for Denver, and then goes off and has all that success. And luckily for myself, like right. yeah, 2014, there have been some brutal losses, like some of those playoff, the Titans, like some of those those bad losses. Now the Colts Thursday night I was not, but yeah, I it's it's been easier. It was easier for me with the team because I was there with Andy Reed. They were successful the whole time I was there. Now, if I was there in like, Oh nine, like some of my coworkers who were telling me stories of what it was like when they were, you know, two and 14, um, which sounded like fun because it was like, we were so bad that yada, yada, yada. And it was funny to hear the story. I was like, man, I wish I was here then. And they were like, no, you don't, <laughs> you didn't want to be here for that. Uh, so I only knew Andy Reid. I only know knew when they were good as an employee uh, and all of that. But, you know, the way they go about their craft, the leadership, the, the expectations, just the way that the, the whole thing is run. Uh, it's not a surprise as to why they have success. Going on that, and obviously just jumping them into just ahead of column here. It said Alex Smith, April of 27th, 2017 comes around on this small matter of drafting a guy called Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. You know, going from even before that to now, and the shift in that organization, even with Coach Reed there as well, and, and the success it's had, did you find that change in Kansas City? Did, did you find, you know, when when Patrick walked into that building, that it was suddenly like, wow, or you sort of said there were Coach Reed, was it always there, or did it even evolve to that point, or how was that being there? Yeah, and it, and it's easy now to make it seem like everybody wants to slight Alex when he was here that the coaches, the players, the staff, you know, myself, and I can't speak for every single person, but I had confidence every time we went on the field with Alex, that we could win that game because he was good enough that if we played well, we were going to win. Like he was a, that good of a quarterback. And I think, you know, because they obviously didn't win the super bowl and they didn't do this and that. And Alex is going to get called for what he was, but you know, the leadership that Alex showed Mahomes when he got drafted, and I know that's not exactly what you asked, but I'm going to make this point because I don't think it'll ever get enough credit that Alex really, it wasn't cliche. It wasn't, you know, media talk. Alex went out of his way to help Mahomes in a lot of ways that he wouldn't have been called out had he not done that. Like he went above and beyond to help Patrick Mahomes and Patrick will 
on the record, off the record, will always tell you how indebted he is to Alex Smith for helping him. And I personally saw it, you know, during training camp, you know, walking by their lunch table and hearing Alex, you know, during a break between meetings when they're already doing football 15 hours a day, this is the one hour they can just sit and eat lunch that Alex, and I, I can remember it like it was yesterday walking by their table. And I've told the story a lot walking by, you know, their lunch table, just the two of them. And Alex was explaining. And all I heard Alex say was you can do so much with the bunch formation on the goal line. And he was literally like going over these situational football game, like things end of July uh, going over bunch formation personnel packages uh, for the offense during the year that, you know, Mahomes just sat like this was a few months after he got drafted. So I think all that's very real. I do think that there was definitely a buzz around Kansas city as soon as Mahomes was drafted and not because we knew what he was going to be. Cause there were a lot of analysts that didn't think that he was going to pan out, that he was just, you know, this product of this air raid system from college, but there was buzz because it had been 30 years since the chiefs had drafted a quarterback in the first round. I mean, there are some really bad stats that people didn't really bring up, but you know, it was, it wasn't just 30 years since the chiefs had drafted a quarterback in the first round that started for them. It was 30 years since they had drafted a quarterback that won a game for them as a starter. Like we're not, we're, there was no fifth round pick that was taken in 1990 that started eight games and won a couple. Like there was none of that. It was Steve Bono, Elvis Gerbach, Trent Green, Joe Montana. Like it was all of these kind of retreads is kind of a derogatory term about it, but never like your guy. And so every year it was, we want our guy. And it just so happened that it, the year they finally took a guy, it was Patrick Mahomes. So there was already that kind of like, we got our guy. We love Alex. We're going to, we've been waiting 30 years so we can be as patient as we want that year that he kind of sat. Uh, and then they ended up having, you know, the brutal loss in the playoffs to the, you know, some one of the Titans, the, the forward progress call from Carl Sheffers or whatever the hell that ref was uh, still not over it. But yeah, I think that there was definitely buzz from the moment that Mahomes was first drafted. Uh, I think I can tell this story now that as a team employee, I was told months before Mahomes was drafted, like, hey, we're going to take a quarterback. So you need to be careful about what you say about us taking a quarterback leading up to the draft because you work for the team and we're sensitive. We're scared that everybody's going to overanalyze everything. So like even internally, we kind of knew, hey, we may take a quarterback and I need to shut my mouth about that because this is how I feed my kids. <laughs> so like, I don't want to get fired by being the one to say something, but uh, it wasn't a surprise. We took a quarterback. I had interviewed Patrick Mahomes on radio row uh, before the, it was the Patriots Falcons, the 28 to three Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> I had interviews a few months before we had drafted Patrick Mahomes, but he was doing media um, at the Super Bowl as, you know, a first round draft pick, a projected first round draft pick, just doing media with his agent, um, Lee and Lee Steinberg, uh, Matt Steinberg, his son, uh, we're walking around saying, Hey, do you want to interview Patrick Mahomes? And I was like, hell yeah. Like I lived in Bill, big, big 12 country. And I was like, we need to take a quarterback at some point, like sit him down let's talk. First question I asked him is like, Hey man, like, what do you know about the chiefs? He's like, well, you know, I had meals with Chris Ballard. I know all the, the, the scouts really well. And at that time I like raised my eyebrows and I was like, Chris Ballard is John Dorsey's like right-hand guy. He doesn't just travel to every road game. Like we sent resources to watch you is the immediate thing. And he was talking about all the stuff he knew about Kansas city from all the conversations that he had had. And again, this is four months before the draft. 
before media really starts talking about, you know, this guy, that guy, like all that stuff's already figured out. Like fans act like all that information happens at the last minute. That stuff's figured out like eight months before just the media catches up to hearing everything. But as soon as Mahomes said, like, I know all this stuff about the chiefs, a, I was like, we're probably drafting you. And B I got to cut all of this because if I post any of this stuff, I'm going to get fine. Like it's going to be very obvious that we're talking to you and I can't do that as a team employee. So yeah, more than you asked for, but well, well, no, some great stories, and thank you for for sharing. Um, you know, I, I want to just go back a little bit to we mentioned him earlier, and how could you not? Andy Reid, Big Red, and we talked about the success, but like, it. I mean, if if you can't like overstate Alex Smith's mm. impact on Mahomes, like I don't know if you can overstate how good a coach Andy Reid is. He's over five hundred with Philly. He's a, he's a coach who has a hundred wins with two teams. He's over 500 with both teams in the regular season, over 500 with both teams in the postseason. The guy's a phenomenon. Can you talk to us yeah. a, a bit about Andy and, and just how he goes about being so successful? That I'll share a couple of stories and things. And again, I've, I've short, told these stories before, but I always feel like they're a good representation. It's funny now because I've told the story for a year, but David Coley is the one who told me this and at the time he was an assistant. Now he's the head coach of the Texans. So more people know who David Coley is, but I remember Coley telling me he was the receivers coach for the chiefs at the time. And I remember him telling, he had been with coach Reed in Philly and uh, kind of bounced around with him and then traveled, you know, moved his family to Kansas city. And when coach Reed got the job here, and I remember Coley telling me that he loved coaching for coach Reed. And I think I talked to him and it was like October. It was during the season. And I remember him telling me, he goes, BJ, I could tell you on March 13th exactly what I'm going to be doing because of how consistent and how organized Coach Reed is on what he expects from his assistant coaches, what they're supposed to do in the offseason, kind of like, you know, studying the free agents or the draft pay, like whatever it is. Like they know what they're doing. And he goes, because I know what's expected of me, I can plan vacations with my family. Like I can spend time with my kid. I can leave an hour early if I get my stuff done. Whereas a lot of young coaches or coaches who are just like work, 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 don't have that kind of communication. They don't have that level of trust in their ability that this is enough work for us to be successful. And that's a very hard thing for young coaches in the NFL to learn. And again, I've been told these things that Coley was like, I love talking. I love with coach because I can plan vacations with my family. He goes, I've never spent more time with my family than I have working for coach Reed because of the expectations that players know you don't coach Reed doesn't surprise you with a day off of practice. Like there's not that like, Ooh, he gave us the day off. That's never going to happen with coach Reed, but he's not going to overwork you like some other coaches who will get pissed and be like, that was a bad practice. We're going to go back out here for an extra hour. Coach Reed doesn't do that either. Like he's very much like it's the same. So you know what to expect. So when you hear players talk about loving to play for coach Reed, it's not just because he's funny and he jokes with them or he treats them well, or genuinely cares about them and their family. It's because what he says he's going to do, he does. He doesn't, you know, it, they're not rotating, you know, endpoints. There's not, the goalposts aren't moving with coach Reed where you see with guys like urban Meyer, where every other day, it seems like there's some sort of, you know, scandal or some, something got leaked or whatever. You don't see that with coach because communicates and he treats people the right way a lot of that kind of bickering drama happens when you're not consistent with how you communicate and people get upset or bitter over time you'll never see it with coach reed and when people talk about being a player's coach most of the time it's just because he says you know he says what he means and he means what he says 
BJ, when we were in London in week six, um, we did a live show in front of an audience and a, a lot of the buzz was around the Chargers. And in fact, I suppose at that stage, the Chiefs were struggling and um, it was heightened, I suppose, by they didn't know if, Chiefs, if the Chiefs are going to rebound and have the season that they've had. Going into this game, we've kind of gotten to a stage of the season. This is a make or break in many ways tomorrow for the Chargers. What have you made of them yeah. this season? It's been, we had this discussion of like, who are some of the most disappointing teams in the NFL? And I don't want to go so far as to say they're disappointing because I think that was probably putting more pressure on Justin Herbert that even though we know he's good, he's still a young player and he's still going to go through those learning curves and all those things kind of thing. So to say they're one of the biggest disappointments is probably not fair to him, but their Jekyll and Hyde season has definitely been a storyline that's caught my eye of they come out and they play like one of the best teams in the AFC and they come out against, I think it was the Cowboys and just looked awful. And there are a couple other games where they played bad teams and they just look awful. And I've heard, you know, through different connections and people, you know, people in the league that, you know, that even internally they're trying to figure out of why one week can we look so good. And then the next week we just look completely awful, similar to the chiefs, you know, going up against the Titans. Like it just, that was not, that was the first time in three years the you know, first time I had seen a Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes look like the less talented team. Like they they were that bad against the Titans. Whereas you kind of seen that with the Chargers, where there's times where they go out there and like they're significantly better than their opponent. And then the next week, it looks like a completely different team. And so in that regard, it's been disappointing. And you don't know what you're gonna see on Thursday night because you expect to see the best because they know that you know this is it for them. You know, the Chiefs win this game. AFC West, I don't want to say it's over, but kind of over. <laughs> so uh, what does that do to a young team? Does that motivate Justin Herbert or do they kind of, you know, clam up, you know, if things don't go well right off the bat, that's that leadership. Do they play tight and then it just kind of snowballs or do they kind of handle it, play through it uh, and step up? I have no idea what team we're going to see, but if they struggle early, I think it's either a going to be very bad for them or, or B, it's just going to be a huge test for the leadership of a young team. And Brendan Staley is a young, very talented coach. But can he keep things together if they get down by 14 points early to the Chiefs? Um, I don't know. That's why we watch. Uh, Rashawn Slater has been confirmed as, as out of the game, and he's been significant. He's had a really good fourth season. And as we touched on earlier with the three guys rushing, it could be they could have a long night if they get going. Yeah, I Rashawn Slater trained, even though he's a charger, he trained during you know the pre-draft process with a guy named Duke Manyweather, uh, who runs O-line masterminds based down in, in the Dallas, Texas area. And Duke also trained uh Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. So two Chiefs rookies that are both playing at a Pro Bowl level. Uh Rashawn Slater has been an all-pro as a rookie. Uh, and so when it comes to offensive line play, I just kind of parrot whatever Duke says. So I'll just pretend that I have analysis and I just repeat what he says. And I look smart because he knows what he's talking about because he works with these guys. But he said that Rashawn Slater is one of the three best left tackles in football right now. You know, Trent Williams, Tyron Smith and, you know, Rashawn Slater is that dude. So it can't be understated that he's probably the only quality offensive lineman that they've had consistently this season. And he's out going up against the Chiefs team. And obviously Chris Jones being out kind of plays into that. Uh, but if, if Chris Jones plays and they don't have Rashawn Slater is not going to be great for Justin Herbert if the Chiefs play that the way that they have. But yeah, Rashawn Slater, I, I just defer to what Duke says. And Duke said he's an absolute stud. So I'm going to say he's an absolute stud. 
Absolutely. Last one from me, BJ, is actually, I'm not going to lie, it's a double question. Can you first off tell us about uh, KC Sportsnet? Is it KC Sports Network? Yeah, and just because that, yep. that lineup you have is stacked. And, and secondly, um, on Wednesday, it was announced about the international marketing in the NFL, the Chiefs going with Germany as an option. I'm going to say this now, 20 odd minutes in. I think that'll happen a couple of years down the line, but I, I think it's nailed on. The Patriots are going to play somebody in Germany the first year. It probably, I, I can't see them doing New England against <laughs> against the Chiefs. And that, that would just be nuts. But uh, a, a great opportunity for the Chiefs as well. And I can you can definitely see them getting the game even maybe one or two years down the line. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, the Germany uh, question because I forgot the first one already. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised with Germany and, and the Chiefs expanding into different markets. Uh, you know, the Chiefs, you know, chairman, CEO, uh, Clark Hunt, you know, part of the Hunt family has owned the team uh, since Lamar brought them from the Dallas Texans. You know, Clark is the chairman of the international committee for the NFL. He is, and he's on the finance committee. And so Clark Hunt is very involved uh, in the NFL owners, you know, inner circles of the way that the game is going to be grown internationally. And so it's not surprising that, you know, they were on the London list and then uh, Germany, you know, I remember going down to Mexico city a few years ago, I was able to go to London. I was able to go to Mexico city that these guys um, you know, have wanted to go to Germany. It was one of the, the countries that was brought up when we were in Mexico city, even back two years ago, I was like Germany's next. And so when the news came out, it wasn't surprising to me, and again, the Chiefs are going to try to build their brand. They know that with Pat, Patrick Mahomes over the next decade being the face of the NFL, if not one of the two or three, you know, faces of the NFL that, you know, it's as, as important to the Chiefs as an individual brand to make money and grow uh, to get their name out there. But it's also important to the entire league that, you know, Germany as a country is properly consuming content of the NFL and the best of what they have to offer. And that is Patrick Mahomes. And so the chiefs, whether they like it or not, need to be at the forefront uh, of these things. And so, yeah, it's not surprising to me. I, it would have been cool hang around a couple of years longer, getting a chance to go to Germany, but there six years. I got to go to Wembley, got to go down to, uh, you know, Estadio Azteca uh, down in Mexico city. And that was an unbelievable experience. So, and, and sorry, what was the, the first question? I was going to say, you probably still could. You've obviously got uh, the, the KC Sports Network there. I, I was saying that the lineup is is great. And even for if you're a non-KC fan in Ireland or the UK, can you maybe tell us just a bit about it, PJ, before? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're basically a podcast network. We've got a YouTube channel. We do video breakdowns. We do weekly podcasts and all the different platforms where you know people are consuming content right now. You know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, YouTube, social media um, you know, Twitch, you know, we, we're streaming all our stuff through Twitch as well for all the gamers that use that platform. But uh, yeah, we, you know, we try to, you know, built it to where, you know, things are so, you know, the world's becoming so much smaller and, you know, attention spans are becoming so much shorter that, you know, we decided and said that, you know, if you create really good content about, you know, for Chiefs fans and about the Chiefs, where we don't take ourselves too seriously, we don't pretend to know absolutely everything, but uh, talk intelligently about uh, the team from our perspective. And if you offer enough different perspectives that kind of, you know, bring some former players and some X's and O's guys, and I'm a former, you know, media guy myself. So I kind of know from a media perspective, how things work, that the totality of all of that gives you this wide ranging view 
and perspective as a fan that makes you a really well-rounded fan. And so I thought that was valuable. And so I started making some calls and trying to build this, this network and these podcasts. And uh, man, I can't tell you how much fun it's been. Uh, we've got like nine shows in our network. Now we've expanded into some college shows as well, but you know, former chiefs quarterback, Matt Castle, you know, he joins us each week on our YouTube channel to break down a Patrick Mahomes play and what impresses him as a former player. And then on the defensive side, Derek Johnson, you know, the chiefs all-time leading tackler legend, you know, he joins us and he talks about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton and he breaks down the film and shows us what he sees and explains it in a way that my mom who watches these videos, she's not a football coach. She can understand what he's explaining from an X's and O's standpoint. And so you don't have to be a football coach to, to take away DJ explaining why Willie Gay is getting better and why Nick Bolton is getting better and what that looks like. Uh, as a, as a content nerd and as a diehard Chiefs fan, it's been awesome for me just to be a part of helping kind of facilitate putting this together and, you know, doing some good stuff in the Kansas City community with different philanthropic things that we're doing is going to be important to KC Sports Network and what we have going on. But, you know, from a, from a football perspective, from a Chiefs fan perspective, we're really um, confident that we're offering something different and uh, playing in a new space and kind of figuring things out as we go. We don't have all the answers, but uh, we're going to try to do some cool stuff. And if it's not cool, then we won't do it anymore. If it's cool, keep doing the cool stuff. Well, BJ, I think uh, talking intelligently about the, the sport is something that you do very well. And that's why just one last question from me, but I, I'd be remiss to have you on and not talk in terms of in a night where, you know, um, we're hearing yet more stories about Urban Meyer and uh, his tenure in Jacksonville. Um, Eric Bieniemy got passed over again, obviously, in the past offseason. Just in, in relation to, to I, I mean, look, the Chiefs are a divisional rival for the, my team, the Broncos, but I can see, you know, Bieniemy's impact. Can you talk a little bit about his impact? And is this the year where he finally gets a, a HC gig? I hope so. I mean, I, I think I'd go, I'd speak for anybody who knows Eric Bieniemy, who has been around Eric Bieniemy, that he's earned that opportunity as much as anyone that has gotten a head coaching opportunity in the NFL in the past. And I think, you know, it's, it's really easy for media to sit back and speculate on why, it, you know, is there something in his past from Colorado? Like, what is it that's kind of has these NFL owners, you know, this, this good old boy network of people that's a very small world that, you know, these guys are friends. They all talk in different cliques and pockets of, you know, owners who were hanging out, but he's earned that opportunity. And I think, you know, it's easy for media to speculate and, and lose sight of the fact that, you know, so much more of being a head coach at the NFL level is being a CEO of a business as opposed to calling the best plays in a two minute situation. Like that's really important but it's more important that a head coach, what Urban Meyer is finding out, can stand in front of a team and not demand or command respect, but just have respect of the players and the people he's talking to. It's very obvious that you cannot BS grown men inside of a room when there's a, you know, a hundred people. Uh, you can do that to college kids. You can't mislead grown men who, if you say something that's not true, they're just gonna be like, "That ain't true," and. Eric Bieniemy will demand the respect and, and he'll earn the respect of a room when he steps in to talk. And so the decisions a head coach has to make of 
is family allowed in the locker room after the game? Do players have to travel back with the team? Funny, Urban Meyer bringing this up, but all of how is training camp handled? Do players, can they, do they have to take the team bus after the game? All of these things that, that fans pay no attention to at all, but from a, do I like this coach level uh, means everything. How do you handle the little things? How do you handle those questions that your players and your coaches and the, the players wives want to have answers to how do you handle holidays? How do you handle Thanksgiving? How do you handle Christmas? Do they get time with your families? Eric Bieniemy has been around Andy Reid, who has more answers to how to handle different scheduling situations. He has binders on exactly how to handle any Thursday night game, Sunday night, a short week after a long week, whatever it is. They know exactly how to handle those situations. So if you hire Eric Bieniemy, if you're an NFL owner and somehow you're listening to this podcast, Eric Bieniemy has answers to the questions that make you look bad as an owner when you hire the wrong guy. Shad Khan and the Jaguars are getting flack of hiring Urban Meyer, not because he hasn't won games. Dan Campbell's not winning games, but Urban Meyer is getting called out because he's treating people like crap because he doesn't have answers to the things that NFL coaches need to have answers for. Eric Bieniemy has been around Andy Reid. He knows how to handle the CEO type of things. And it's about a matter of making the right calls on a coin flip to win a football game. And that's how you're judged. Yes. But owners aren't going to, regret hiring Eric the enemy because he embarrassed your organization because people were speaking out and having sources leak things, basically saying like, this is a, a blank show because the guy doesn't know what he's doing. You won't get that with Eric the enemy. And I think sometimes that gets lost with owners who overlook the wrong things that he, he knows what it means to stand in front of a group of men and lead them. And to me, that, that's why Eric B and deserves the opportunity to get that job. And selfishly, I just want that guy to get paid. Like he's earned it. Go get his money. Like everybody else has. If he fails, go back and be a coordinator after the fact. And you got four years of, you know, $7 million in your pocket, as opposed to a few hundred thousand. He's earned the right to get that next step. BJ, final question. I suppose it's a big weekend for the AFC in terms of who will secure that number one seed. If you've got the Patriots called Saturday night, the Titans going to Pittsburgh, you start on tours with a big divisional clash, the Chiefs going into LA. What's your, your assessment on the game? I know you touched on it briefly, but your, your pick? Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think there's too much talent, too much leadership. Short week, COVID, Rashawn Slater being out is a huge one. Hopefully Chris Jones plays. That kind of maybe cancels out in some sort of weird way. You could make that case, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they're going to win. You know, I'm a big Colts fan. I'm a big Steelers fan this weekend. Uh, so hopefully the Titans and the Patriots both lose. Uh, I think that the Patriots have a little bit tougher of a schedule, you know, down the stretch, their final four compared to the Titans. Um, but either way, I don't think, you know, nobody wants to play the chiefs regardless of whether it's at Arrowhead stadium or not. So I don't, I'm not scared as a chiefs fan having to go on the road to Nashville to play. Uh, I guess that's the benefit of having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You get to be cocky as a fan like that and, and talk trash on things that you have no control over <laughs> and act like I'm the one out there playing, uh, you know, making fun of other fan bases, but uh, but yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are going to go out and win against the Chargers. The game means too much to them. I think, you know, they understand that they, you know, their margin of error uh, because of the way they struggled earlier in the year. They didn't, they didn't allow themselves to be able to struggle, you know, on a short week late in the season. They kind of uh, lost that ability, um, you know, losing some of those games early in the season. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to come out and win. And I continue, as long as they stay healthy, then I 
see them continue to play the way they are. And as long as the offense uh, and defense, the, the key guys stay healthy, they're going to be fine. Let's see what happens, obviously. If they were to win, there's a few interesting games in that division over the last four weeks. That I, I'm going to joke it. BJ, I want to wish you all the best uh, just, you know, going, going down the stretch the rest of the season, just in the future with your sports network. I can't personally wish you the best for the Chiefs. I, I'm only joking. I, I, it, it doesn't even matter at this point, but obviously enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks so much for coming on. That was really good. I really appreciate it, uh, BJ, and chat to you again soon. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Everybody, welcome in to the Irish NFL show. Sorry about the last minute glitches there with the audio and video. Um, we'll try and work on that for next time. And the podcast itself will, uh, I guess, be amended for that audio. But we, we got like 95% of it. Uh, uh, yeah. Hi, Mark. Hello. I'm, I was about to ring you in. Hello. Welcome. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you great, Michael. Lovely. I'm going to Lovely. listen to you all night talking about how wonderful the Chiefs and the Chargers are. I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it as well. Uh, Colin, Brian, Mark, can we just start off the show? Mark, can we have a Duval for the day that's in it? Can we have a Duval? A David Duval? A David Duval. Excellent. Uh, how's the form, boys? Good? Yeah, uh, pr pretty good. Um, probably not as good as Dan Snyder, who I imagine is absolutely delighted that the spotlight is off of him and uh, Roger Goodell. But obviously all eyes on uh, Jacksonville today and uh, a mistake that was made uh, 11 months ago, finally rectified. I imagine if uh, the NFL hadn't reenacted all the protocols for the players and their ability to go out and gather in groups of four, he would be having a, a celebratory party right now. Uh, while the Raiders might not have uh, might want to rethink getting the bus around the Chiefs stadium, I'd say Trevor Lawrence is doing laps of the stadium uh in uh in jacksonville and all it took was to give a an kicker a kick up the the backside you know that was the final straw <laughs> but uh because it didn't come as a surprise when i woke up this morning i think most of us didn't see the breaking news on at that time of the uh time of the morning until we all seen it early this morning and it didn't come as any surprise and it's kind of uh falling off to be falling down the, the list of things today because of the amount of stuff that's gone on today with the the new protocols that the NFL have put in place and the enormity of the situation leading into this weekend with more players again testing COVID and even coaches. The Bears have lost a few. Uh, the Washington football team have lost an additional three or four players from their starting lineup, which works well for a, a certain Philadelphia team. But uh, it's going to be a unique weekend because there's going to be a lot of players, even at this stage, I don't think we're, we're at the end of it in terms of how many players won't play this weekend. Um, I think it was uh, 9-12 where Tony Blair's press advisor uh, infamously sent a memo to say, 9-12-2001, uh, where they infamously sent a message to say, today would be, oh, Gordon Browns it was, today would be a good new time to bury some bad news. And for the NFL, whether it was, as Colin kind of alludes to, further revelations about the Washington Mail saga and the actions of Roger, Mr. One Roger Goodell in relation to it, whether it's Vincent Jackson being confirmed to have had stage two CTE before his death, there are certainly some bad news stories that get blown away by, yes, hallelujah, ding dong, the witch is gone, Urban Meyer has been fired. 
um, or the international announcements during the week and the whole uh, aspects in relation to the international spread, including some of the under-the-radar storylines about who didn't take part in it, who didn't actually go for any of the markets at all, like teams like the Packers, for example. Um, and then, yeah, like talk about sneaking it in. Oh, cases are up. Oh, some of the games are on the, pro, you know, challenge. Oh, geez, we're coming to the playoffs. We did so well with COVID last year, but what we'll do is we'll just sneak under the radar a small little speed up and we'll agree that with the union. The union have signed off as well, obviously, as to how quickly you can get players back. So some of the fears about, well, the AFC Championship game, the NFC Championship game, or the Super Bowl being affected by COVID just dissipate a little bit more and the product stays ticking along. Hey, just another week in the NFL, boys. It's been a nice week so far. Uh, I'm presuming Brian's coming back in a second, so we'll take that noise out for a minute. Uh, all good. I have got an exclusive video of the Josh Lambeau uh, incident with... <laughs> Colin's already laughing. Here is what happened, apparently, with Urban Meyer. Do you know what? What I might do is I might, I might smash into somebody just to make me... There you go. That's it. The, the, thing, the thing about it is it happened in August it's only just come out now so can knew about this the entire time he knew about this when uh, it all went down and, and meyer didn't come back on the plane because he was uh what looking after the grandkids or whatever he was doing up in ohio so all this has been known and it has been another week where you know you get to see we love the game the sport the players put so much in but billionaires do what billionaires want to do, and there are zero consequences uh, for for them. I mean, it's pocket change to can what uh, Urban will walk away with ultimately. And meanwhile, uh, is it Kirk Cousins remains the only guaranteed guaranteed contract in the league? Mm -hmm. In fairness to Can, I think he did everything in his power to try hope shall we say that things would turn around and that urban meyer would turn around his personality in terms of how he deals with players as opposed to how he deals with players in college you know because he was sought after he went after him he was a prized asset when he got him he felt he was going to help turn around the franchise so i think he did everything he could and allowed him every opportunity to do the right thing at times with players but obviously that hasn't materialized so yeah look it was inevitably he's going to go i'm not quite surprised that he's gone now because i felt they would have just left it to the end of the season, but maybe he has other people in mind already in terms of who he wants to take over, which is kind of reflective of what Albert Burr said in, in his piece yesterday with rejoicing that he felt some coach will go sooner rather than later because there's these new rules around interviewing coaches two weeks before the season ends. Yeah, Eric, Eric Biomi, you know, maybe Brian Dabo, roll up, roll up. Uh, a nice job for an offensive coordinator. We're one of the best uh, young quarterback talents in the league. But how much dysfunction, how much dysfunction does he have to unwind? Uh, yes, whether it's one of the rare occasions in the last 50 years of the head coach not getting back on the plane with his team uh, to, uh, you know, spend some quality time in Ohio. Uh, Tebow and his Make-A-Wish Foundation kind of dream big of making it again as a tight end. It, it was just dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction. The stories from Tom Palazzaro from NFL Network last week about accusing his assistant coaches of what have they won, uh, just the behavior at all times. It was bizarre, it was petty, it was pathetic. Uh, glad he's gone. Um, 
just it just doesn't get any better i actually woke up with a smile on my face i mean like you know i was genuinely delighted to see the back of urban meyer in the nfl um and now sure we've got some games to look forward to so there's much more positive things to talk about absolutely 5 39 this morning that happened we've got a guest waiting as well thank you very much for the guests uh, waiting as well really appreciate it gilbert manzano he is a chargers NFL and boxing reporter as well. Maybe it'll be a bit of boxing tonight uh, in the OC Register, LA Daily News, and other outlets in California. Hopefully, Gilbert, your audio works okay. F thank you for waiting there. Welcome in. Hey, how's it going, guys? It sound okay? Oh, good. Perfect, Gilbert. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'm glad to, to be on the show with you guys uh, for a very exciting Thursday night football. Um, I'm on, a way, on my way to the stadium, SoFi Stadium, so I'm pretty excited for this big game, Chiefs and Chargers. It's, it's going to be a great game tonight, Gilbert. I'll, st I'll start off this shot the same way I do with every guest in the States. Uh, have you ever been over to Ireland or have you been maybe a London game at all over the last few years? <laughs> no, no, I wish. Yeah, that's something I want to do is uh, go to a London game. I've been to a Mexico City game actually twice, but uh, for some reason I get unlucky for the London game. And if I'm in London, I'm definitely going to Ireland. I uh, hear good things about it. I got to go to a pub and, uh, and drink uh, some Irish uh, whiskey. So I'm all for it. You'll have to check out a few pubs, I think, uh, Gilbert, not just the, the one. But I'm interested in, in your take on this Chargers team because we have seen them be very, very good. They go, they win at Arrowhead. They obviously get a big win against the Browns. But at other times, they have been enormously disappointing. Um, you know, they whether it's kind of scraping by the Eagles or some of the losses, I, I, I would, saw them where against the Broncos where they were very disappointing on offense uh, really so who are the 2021 Chargers yeah you know it's kind of tough to say you know two weeks ago they were six and five and they were going to a big game against the Bengals and you start thinking well you know this team they lose they might be out of the playoff picture I'm ready to move on because yeah you beat you beat the Chiefs you know you, you have good games like that but then you you get blown out by the Ravens you lose to the Broncos and, it's, and you kind of try to, you know, figure out what this team is. And, and I, I and I came to a point where I need to just call this team average. They're, they're a decent team with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Joy Bosa. But they had so many holes on the roster that they seem like an average team. Like maybe, a, you know, it's weird now with the records, but 10 and 7, 9 and 8, kind of 9 and 8 team, uh, 8 and 9 team. They felt like in that range. And then after that, they won two games in a row. They did, you know, they kind of had their way against the Bengals, 24 to 0. They almost blew the lead, but that was a big victory against Joe Burrow on the road. And then this team, this Chargers team, you know, they kind of impressed me. I know they were playing the Giants. The Giants aren't doing too well last week. But for some reason, this Chargers team doesn't do well against anybody. It doesn't matter what the record is. It's always a close game. It's always down to the wire. And for them to handle business the way that they did and go up 30-7 to to get ready for this primetime game, I'm thinking, okay, this team might be better than I thought they, they will be. So... I think sometimes it's all about how good your quarterback is and how far he could carry you. And I think right now Justin Herbert could carry this team pretty far. I'm not ready to say they might be kind of a Super Bowl contender, but they definitely are in the battle for the AFC West and maybe a sneaky second-round team. Or maybe I can't go that far. I can't go to ABC, ABC title game. But when you have Justin Herbert playing the way he is, uh, you could definitely have a good run in the playoffs. Gilbert, I've read many reports that the one thing that would potentially stop this team from going deep into the playoffs is the run defense. They're 31st ranked in the league. At some stage, they're going to have to correct that, you know, whether it's this season or in the future, but certainly it could lead to them being in high-scoring games, potentially. Yeah, especially in the playoffs. Like, it's all about the, the running game and, you know, time position, field position and all that. So, 
you know, if they get into the playoffs, you know, they, they're looking okay for that. But, they, they, you know, they got a big game today, so we'll see how that goes. But, you know, they got to fix that up. And I think they, they've shown some signs of the running defense being better. And I think a lot of fans got frustrated because Brandon Staley is known as a defensive guru. Uh, you know, he did what he did with the Rams a year ago. They made him, he made him the number one defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And then you start thinking, well, what about here with the Chargers? Why is the defense not getting better? And it took a while because, you know, there's a lot of young guys. That, yeah, they have Joey Bosa and Derwin James, but I think they had to learn a scheme and they had to kind of figure out this two high safety look and this three, four defense. And, you know, it took a while, but I think they've really turned the corner. And, you know, for the Chargers, they're not they're not last place in, in run defense. They're 31st, so they keep going up. So uh, that's something to kind of look for for the Chargers defense. But they are they, they have some issues there. Uh, but I think I've seen the progress, especially, you know, with the with the pressures on the defensive line, uh, getting takeaways, you know, they are getting a little better on defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, like when Thetis dipped Achilles into the River Styx, at least the Achilles heel was hidden for a while. I think that run defense has been on show for, for many, many moons in the last few games. But it's funny, last year, the Achilles heel for the uh, Chargers seemed to be more on the other side uh, in terms of the offensive line. And obviously, a lot of great moves during the offseason to shore that up. Um, Corey Lindley coming over from the Packers, the first-round pick of Rashawn Slater, who is actually going to be missing tonight, obviously, um, due to COVID considerations. Just wondering your thoughts, having watched them so closely during the season, the evolution of that line and how big is Rashawn Slater's absence going to miss? Because he, he hasn't looked like a rookie, in fairness, this year. Yeah, you know, with, with the Chargers offensive line, they had a good plan for the starting offensive line. You know, they drafted Rashawn Slater. They got a couple of lucky breaks in the draft, and it worked out well because Slater looks to be like a Pro Bowl-worthy uh, 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 lineman in his rookie year. And they spent money in free agency for Corey Lindsley, you know, probably the best center of the game. Then they added a couple key veterans and Odia Bushi and uh, Matt Filer, and they also have kind of Brian Bulaga. But the, where they kind of failed here as a team as a backup plan, The what do you do when there's injuries, you know? Do you start developing young guys? It, like they lack kind of depth. And when Brian Bulaga went down, uh, Odia Bushi went down, and now you have Rashawn out. Uh, you know, having three guys down on your starting offensive line could catch up. And you know, we, we've seen it with, with, with Justin Herbert. Like you know, when he has perfect, you know, uh, offensive line protection, he plays at his best. But then there's times where he can be a little shaky. He's kind of running for his life back there, uh, scrambling, and he and he does well sometimes. You know, creating on the run, but. You know, the backup for uh, Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, uh, he, he's been on the field before and it doesn't go too well. Uh, he started eight games in, in the last two years. And if you ask most Charger fans, they did not those games did not go too well. Uh, so it could be a long day for Trey Pipkins in a, in a big game. And it kind of just tells you, you know, for, for the future, you can't have, you know, everything you want. But it's, it's a good idea to invest in the backup offensive lineman because when you have an injury or you have somebody going COVID, and then you have a big primetime game on Thursday Night Football with the Chiefs, things like this happen, and you could be hurting with Trey Pipkin. So, uh, you know, Trey, you know, he's been up and down, but uh, the Chargers are saying all the right things. They're being positive with Trey Pipkins, but uh, we've seen what he's done before. But who knows? Maybe in year three he got much better, but uh, it's kind of hard to see that coming. Talking and referencing the big game tonight, big game for us early in the morning, 1.20 a.m., the Chargers, the Chiefs, Gilbert, uh, if the Chargers were to win this game tonight, looking at the last three games, you got the Texans, the Broncos, the Raiders. Now, I know it's an if tonight, but 
surely any anybody involved with the Chargers would look at those last three with potentially beating Kansas City as you know a nice end of the season or a very winnable schedule, and they have a chance at the West if they win tonight. Yeah, no, definitely. It's kind of a unique situation. Like the Chargers haven't won a division since 2009. That's a long time ago, 12 years ago, uh, and they're in a rare opportunity right here to win the division. Possibly, they, it won't be done and done and sealed today, but to tie them up. Uh, with three games to go and you have the tiebreaker and and maybe the schedule is not that hard but you, you know you never know what the charges but you know they will play the texans next week and you got to win that one you got to beat the texans the texans haven't done anything all year uh then it gets a little tricky with the two division games the broncos and the raiders they beat the raiders but they lost to the broncos but man if they win tonight and you close it out with with three games in a row and you, you're hosting a game in the playoffs at sofi stadium that's a very good year one for brandon staley for not winning the division in the last 12 years, you come in your first year and you do that, uh, you know, it goes a long way. But, you know, I think the Chargers are, are ahead of schedule with Brandon Staley. I, like I mentioned, I thought this team was average. They had a lot of holes on the roster. Uh, we mentioned the run defense. The run defense has been pretty bad. Uh, but I guess when you have Herbert and, and a good coach, uh, good coaching matters. It could take you a long way. So, uh, yeah, it's a big opportunity. They got to capitalize, be aggressive, uh, go for it on fourth down, create turnovers. And who knows, they might have a big win tonight. Am I being unfair in saying that the the supporting cast for Herbert are maybe a little bit overrated? Like, Keenan Allen shows up, but Mike Williams is very hot and cold. Eckler can be explosive, but can the team really rely on him? And Cook is, well, again, he, he's, a, he's a guy who feels to me like when he's on it, he can be great, but you never really know is... Are, are we almost expecting too much for Herbert or am I being harsh on the, the Chargers receiving core? I don't think you're being harsh at all. Uh, there's times where uh, Herbert has to be a Superman. He has to carry this team on his back to to lead them to a victory because he's doing so much out there. Like that game in Denver, the, the, the offense was pretty bad overall, but Herbert was doing so well that they were actually in a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And But the thing when you're playing like that, you have no room for error. And then Herbert threw an interception and it went downhill from there. But, you know, he's going to have mistakes. He's only a year two quarterback. So you need to help out your quarterback. And, yeah, it's great to have Keenan Allen. When Mike Williams, like you mentioned, when Mike Williams is, is, is hot, he is probably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But you're right. They're missing a tight end. You you know, Jerry Cook's a little older veteran, uh, has has some bad mistakes here and there. So you got to find a tight end eventually. Uh, and you need a bruising running back. Austin Eckler is great. He's a great running back. Uh, a, a great uh, pass catching running back, but he's not a bruiser. He won't get you the first down on third and short or uh, or fourth and go at the one yard line. You need a big body running back, and or just anybody. They can't find the number two running back on the Chargers team. Uh, and and Austin Eckler is saying, "Hey, I need some help here. I'm not that big. I'm five foot nine, 180 pounds. Can somebody help me out?" But uh, Austin has been great so far with the extra work, but he needs help out there. So. And then the maybe the number three wide receiver might be okay because Josh Palmer, the rookie, he's been doing well. Uh, the speedy wide receiver Jaden Guyton hit the nice catch last week on that uh, beautiful throw from Justin Herbert. So the receivers might be okay, but you know you need a running back, you need a tight end, but also you got to find consistency with, with Mike Williams. I think they'll be okay after that. Gilbert, how have you found the level of support for the Chargers at the home games? You know, we, we've read about the influx of road fans coming to, so, to SoFi during the season, whether it's the Rams or the Chargers. And obviously, over years gone by, they joked about Philip Rivers essentially playing 
more uh, away games than home games, even though the games were in their home stadium. Have you seen a, a good support for the Chargers so far? Yeah, you, you know, I guess with the Chargers, there's nowhere to go but up. So any type of progress is good. Uh, and I guess I, you know, I won't lie to you guys. It's been bad at times, you know. When the Cowboys came to town in week two, it was a lot of Cowboys fans. When the Raiders come to town, it's always bad. And then I'm sure tonight there's going to be a whole lot of KC fans covered in red because they want to leave uh, uh, Kansas City and come to Los Angeles for a weekend or a week to support their team. So I think that's the way it is. I think it happens a lot in a lot of stadiums where you want to just travel and support your team. There's something fun about going on the road uh, and supporting your team. So I think that's a part of it. But, you know, they do have a lot of uh, room to work with, with with the fans. And, you know, but I'll, I'll give them credit. I've seen more fans in Los Angeles and SoFi Stadium. You know, it's, it's getting close to like 60-40 now in terms of fans. You know, 60 for the opposing team, 40 for the Chargers. But it might be closer to 50-50 soon because if you're, if you're, look, if you're a team, a, a, a fan on the fence, and you're like, who should I root for? And you're seeing Justin Herbert throw these uh, amazing passes every single week. You're like, I like the way how he plays. I like I like that arm strength and I like his uh, mobility and just his accuracy. And I think Justin Herbert's bringing a lot of people to SoFi Stadium. And one thing about Los Angeles, they, they love new uh, flashy things. And Justin Herbert is that new flashy thing. And uh, I think it's kind of creating some momentum for the Chargers out here. Uh, Gilbert, I've said on this show many times that Justin Herbert throws the prettiest deep ball in the entire NFL. Um, the arm strength, but the accuracy is amazing. And you mentioned you need a tight end. I know it was free agency, but I am a Patriots fan, so just thank you for Hunter yeah. just in advance. Yeah. Um, we're very grateful. But tonight's game, it's a divisional game. As you said, the Chargers have their nose in front. They have the tiebreaker if they win tonight because of the first win. Um, 32 seconds left, I think, to Mike Williams. You know, a really good, dramatic game, just what you expect between two divisional rivals. But because you and the Chargers, you play Kansas City twice every year, you know them inside out, What's your take on, I suppose, how they match up tonight? Because it's not the same Kansas City we're used to seeing. And while I mentioned Slade is out, also Chris Jones is out, which is a big loss for their pass rush. So how do you see or what do you see that maybe the Chargers can exploit in terms of that KC lineup? Yeah, you know, not having Chris Jones is going to really hamper uh, the Chiefs defense. But, you know, on the flip side, the Chargers offensive line has three backups starting for, uh, for protecting Justin Herbert. So it kind of evens out a little bit. Uh, but, you know, for me, I go back to the week three game. You know, the Chargers need a few lucky breaks to or, or they need to be they need a lucky breaks. And they need to be aggressive to win that game, because if you look at the stats, I, I think the, the Chiefs offense had like 500 yards. So they were doing pretty well as an as an offense. Uh, but to turn the ball over four times and that kind of helped out the Chargers and. You know, that might be the, the biggest thing I think for tonight is it, it, it might it could be a track meet. It could be you know Patrick Mahomes and, and Justin Herbert. It might be to to who has the ball last. If you want if you're gonna be on this big time game, you better have the ball last. And we've seen Justin Herbert have these some of these uh game winning scores. And you know, I guess for the defense, you know, for the Chiefs defense, they're gonna they're gonna have their hands full there. But I wouldn't be surprised if they get pressure because you still got Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. Uh, two very good pass rushers, Melvin Ingram, a former Charger, so he's going to be juiced to uh, to play his former team on, on Thursday night. So, yeah, I know I know this Chiefs defense took a lot of heat the, the first month of the season, but they've turned it around. I know they won't have, they won't have Chris Jones, but uh, you know they have Tyron Matthew out there as well. So, you know, I, I think I think I might see a a good playoff atmosphere of football tonight, uh, low scoring, but they might be mad about the first game, and the Chiefs are, are tired of hearing about Justin Herbert. And they're saying, hey, uh, we have uh, Patrick Mahomes out here, and he's pretty good too. 
Absolutely. Uh, Gilbert, last question. I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Who have you got tonight? Who's going to win? Yeah, you know, I keep going back and forth. And, you know, I guess the stats say that for the home team on a Thursday night, they tend to do well. So you would think based on that, I go with the Chargers. But I think the Chiefs are probably – they're probably mad right now. They're hearing all this Justin Herbert praise. Uh, they're hearing about how their offense is kind of broken with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Uh, the Chargers don't have Rashawn Slater. Uh, I, I think he's huge. I, I, you know, I know there's no Chris Jones, but I think Rashawn just means so much for the Chargers. So, you know, off of that information, I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm going with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have something to prove. They want a statement game to say, hey, uh, this division still runs through us. We're the five-time division champions, and you haven't won the division in the last 12 years for a reason. So. I think it's going to be a pretty uh, agitated Patrick Mahomes tonight. I think they'll win. It won't be kind of a, a high-scoring game. I'll go tw- I go 27-24. Uh, Chiefs take it in the last second. Well, Gilbert, we appreciate uh, your honesty and your assessment. It's been really fun talking to you. And, uh, you know, you you have great insights into the Charger. And you're willing to, to be very honest in those. Uh, you can check Gilbert out on Twitter at g manzano 24 and who knows maybe if the Chargers do make the playoffs we'll have you back on before one of those games but thanks very much for joining us this evening sounds good guys thank you for the time enjoy the game tonight cheers thank you gilbert manzano good to talk about the chargers good to have a discussion about justin herbert we've, we've got our final guest on as, Ma- as Michael, want to say something. Yeah. yeah, he mentioned that LA likes shiny new things, so they're in for a treat when we arrive in February. Yeah, hi. There's like an asterisk at the bottom, depending upon Neffet uh, or or the UK government. Like, I mean, if we have to fly up the, if you said to drive up to Belfast to go to LA, that could be a situation. Well, we're like eight weeks out from Super Bowl, seven weeks, nine, six, ten. Okay. Brian, you caught the exclusive video, yeah, of Urban Meyer before you came off there yeah which one was that all right well before we before we bring brad on i'll see brian uh, josh lambo and our and urban meyer is an exclusive um... do you know what what i might do is I, I, might, I might smash into somebody just to make me feel better uh big up to somebody in england put that on i got like 500 likes overnight well done 5 39 a.m <laughs> he's gone uh, let's just bring in <clears throat> let's bring him in brad Brad Britchie from, well, Arrowhead Pride now, the Great British Chief Show. I feel, Brad, that we should be putting on, like, the Great British Bake Off music or something at this point, no? <laughs> big celebrity now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That was the kind of angle they were going for, I think, when they made, when they named that. Because we didn't name that show. Uh, it was actually the guys at Arrowhead Pride that named it. We were like, well, we'll just go with it. <laughs> How are you doing, lads, anyway? How's all, all good, all good. Yeah. Yeah. As good as we as good as we can be, there's only one person here going to the playoffs, and that's Mark. The rest of us are <laughs> likely to be sitting at home again. <laughs> are, we, are we talking about fantasy or are we talking about actual football or, or oh, actual football? This is an actual, actual football, football show. Okay. okay. <laughs> All good. All good. Big game tonight, Brad. Big game tonight. Yeah, very big game. Um, it's probably the biggest game the Chargers have had for a long, long time as well, which um is I don't know how they're going to play, really. Uh, obviously, with that that kind of built-up pressure that they've got, the, f- the biggest game they've had uh, in this stadium, in the SoFi Stadium, for well, f- for as long as I can remember, really. Um, and I think the Chiefs are kind of used to it a little bit more these big games now. So uh, I, I'm already coming off uh, across as cocky again, aren't I? I think the Chargers. Um, 
they've they've done well this year, and um, they're definitely somebody who, even at the beginning of the season, a lot of the Chiefs fans were were, were kind of looking over the shoulder at them and thinking, you know what, they might have something this year. Um, and here we are. It's it feels like a playoff game. That's what it feels like at the minute um, because there's a lot riding on it. Um, whoever wins tonight literally has the driving seat. Brad, I'm interested in, you know, the when we last spoke to you, obviously it was before the Super Bowl. And at that point, everyone talked was talking about the Chiefs offense. And then obviously in the offseason, there was the rebuilt offensive line. And again, everyone was expecting it to be the offense. But here we are, and it's the Chiefs defense and holding teams like not not just to low points, but not even allowing teams get into double digits after uh, you know, historically bad struggle almost at the beginning of the season. As a fan, what has that kind of roller coaster been like? <sighs> Tell you what, it was a bit nervy at the beginning. I'll, I'll be honest because uh, those those first few games, and we even saw it in the first week against the Browns. You know, the the, the defense wasn't really clicking. Um, we were slightly concerned that uh, the offense was, even though it was putting up points, it didn't look the same. Um, and it, it, you could probably put that to maybe a, a Super Bowl hangover and everything. Um, you know, the fact that the Chiefs kind of got found out. Um, and as the weeks went on, it seemed to get worse and worse on the defensive side of the ball. The turnovers was a huge thing. Um, I mean, we saw that against the Chargers. You know, we I think we turned the ball over four or five times from 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 memory, um, and it just felt like everything the Chiefs were trying to do, they were trying to force it. Um, I think the defense just really didn't have a clue, kind of what kind of scheme they were playing. Um, personnel didn't really know understand where they were being, and it just it just felt like everything was just falling down around us. Fast forward after, uh, I think, about week six, week seven, um, and this defense just suddenly came out of nowhere. It suddenly started clicking. It started getting that swagger back. Um, you, you've probably seen the videos of, you know, um, obviously after the Raiders game where the, the Chiefs players were saying, oh, we got our swagger back. Whoa. You know, and, and it just felt as though it was it was something in the mind, I think. I think they needed to brush a lot of uh, uh, doubt in mind off, um, especially the way that the Super Bowl played out, it, I mean, it was devastating. It was terrible. I mean, it was it was probably the worst game I've ever seen the Chiefs play, and it was the biggest stage to do it as well, and especially against one of the greats in the game uh, with Tom Brady. And I don't know. I, I just it just seems as though they've snapped out of it, and they've snapped out of it at the right time, um, which is good. I mean, the same kind of happened in our Super Bowl winning year as well, because I think we still went. I think we went four and three. Three or three and four or something along the along that road in twenty nineteen as well. So I think fans are kind of on board with it and not as worried as they once were. Um, because I think, yeah, it just seems like when you, the likes of Melvin Ingram that came in, um, he suddenly runs that that defensive end um, or that pass rush. And everything just seemed to click from there. I'm not saying it was just Melvin Ingram. There was a lot of other things that kind of clicked into place 
with that. But Ingram seemed to be that um, that new addition that really helped Frank Clark, really helped Chris Jones, um, especially when we kicked Chris Jones from the defensive end back inside uh, because he was terrible as a defensive end in there ever again. But um, yeah, it's it, it it's looking it's looking promising now. I'll say that much. Brad, I suppose majority of the week it's been a conversation around whether Rashawn Slater will play or whether Chris Jones will play. But one player in the secondary for the Chiefs who isn't going to play is Snead. Um, last year, as the season went on, he got really good and he seems to have been having a really good season in the secondary despite the frailties early on in the season. He's obviously out because of a bereavement. Are you concerned about the secondary? Mike Williams is, is up and down, but if Herbert gets going with players in the secondary, they can be really effective. I'm actually quite concerned with the, uh, the secondary now because uh, we've just heard that uh, Javarius Ward is questionable as well, who's our quarterback. Um, and so you've lost Snead and you've lost Ward. Potentially you've lost Ward if he, if he's, you know, obviously with him being questionable. But um, we all know what Justin Herbert's like. Uh, he's got an arm. We, we saw that in the last game as well. He's got he's got a cannon of, can of an arm. And if, if we're going, him with our kind of uh, you know second string corner, it's going to be difficult. It really is going to be difficult, and it, and, and like it is concerning because we are at this kind of business end of the season now, where we need all the best players available, and it just this this damn COVID just will not go away, will it? We just seem to be you know across the league now. There's 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 problems with COVID. Um, I know obviously Sneed's not out uh, because of COVID, but um, obviously it was due to, to uh, a family. Um, but yeah, losing players at this at, at this vital stage, especially again, you know, to try and run the AFC West and 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 keep battling for that number one seed, I'm a little concerned that uh, Herb exploit the quarterbacks uh, tonight. Um, I'll, I'll I'll not lie on that. I don't think. Uh, Brad, you you alluded to the Super Bowl, obviously. I think when you were on with us beforehand, I think you predicted a 31-10 Chiefs victory. Uh, something yeah. like that. It was 21 points difference. Just, I don't want to bring up bad memories, but you know, just to remind you gently. Um, <laughs> you just said like that was the worst game the Chiefs played, but you've been a fan for years, so you've seen Damon Hewitt and Trent Green and even Tyler Tigpen when you, I think, went 2-14. and 14. So you've seen some pretty bad Chiefs play. I mean, I, I think, you know, be fair. Like, it's, uh, you've seen worse is what I'd say. I think, but, I think what it um, was, it was just, the, it was just the occasion. I think it was the the occasion that, that you felt that this was the big one, and you knew that you could watch a Chiefs team tear apart anybody, especially with the offense. And it just didn't happen. It just you were waiting for something to happen throughout that whole game, and nothing did. It just, it was just a nothing game, and and I think it was because a lot was riding on it. I think that's why a lot of fans feel as though it was one of the worst games they've ever seen. Which, which is understandable. And, and look, yeah. tonight is probably your biggest game since the Super Bowl. Let's face mm -hmm. it, the AFC West destiny turns on it. And you alluded to, and we've alluded to on the show, like the Chiefs are on a great run. Even when they're in the bad days, there are a few on the show that did still believe, still thought they'd get their act together and go on a run. And they've gone on a very nice run. But two of those wins have been against the Raiders, who, let's face it, decided to ignore defense for both of the games generally <laughs> and whilst your defense is on a pretty historic tear you know in terms of limiting teams there still feels an air with the offense that hasn't quite yet clicked i mean i suppose given the importance of the game tonight 
as a fan, where is your level of confidence in this team? Where is the the meter over the season right now going into tonight's game? Um, the level of confidence is it's it's almost like quietly optimistic, which is very strange to be a, a modern era Chiefs fan at the minute. Um, quietly optimistic, but um, the we know it can do it, or it can click. But I, I've said for a long time this whole season that. We really are missing a, a, a standout WR2. Um, we're missing the likes of Sammy Watkins. I know we got Josh Gordon, but that's not really... I mean, the guy didn't play football for, what, two years? Uh, when, he, when he's been out of the league, I think it was. Um, and he's not really developed, and I, that's caused that imbalance in the wide receiving core because... Nicole Hardman hasn't really been the, the 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 draft pick that we all wanted. Um, he's you know he he's got the speed, and I think I, I think the Chiefs uh, you know I think the Chiefs draft was kind kind of leaning towards the fact that we may have lost Hill, obviously with all that off the off the field issues at the time, and we probably need somebody who's speedy to fill that gap, and that's why they went with uh, McCall. And, and you know, yeah, Metcalf was sat right there. <laughs> Um, you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's quiet optimism. Um, and it's strange to say that when you've got Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill in a team, I honestly like Sammy Watkins, who we let go to the Ravens, be that wide receiver too, just to really kind of stretch it out a little bit more and open up these defenses. Um, I mean, the good thing is that the defense has raised its game and yeah okay some might argue that we've played against you know the Raiders who are going through their own issues at the minute and they don't look like they 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 you know they don't look like what they were at the beginning of the season um but um, I don't know I mean you, you, like I said at the end of the day you can only you can only beat the teams that are put in front of you and you know We've had some luck along the way. I think I think you have to have that, especially when you're going, um, you know, heading or trying to head for the playoffs. You know, we had some luck where we didn't face Aaron Rodgers uh, against the Packers, and uh, you know, we faced the the, the Broncos, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, and and I think that's what a lot of talking heads are trying to uh, say that that's what's not impressed. Really, they haven't really beaten a top level quarterback. Um, for quite a few weeks now. Um, and I think this is the kind of game that the Chiefs really need to make a statement, beat Justin Herbert, um, and track has been one of those front uh, for uh, the, well, one seed at least. I'm excited for the games tonight, Brad, even as a neutral. And I am a neutral because it's two division teams. I mean, the game and the tie doesn't really matter for me anymore anyway. But a uh, <laughs> couple of things for me to round it up. I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, what's the score going to be tonight? And then just finally, can you maybe tell us and maybe tell Chiefs fans in Ireland, UK, Europe, about your podcast with Tom and our head proud as well? Yeah, we'll do. Um, I mean, I actually made a prediction on our podcast, and I, I think I might have had too much whiskey before I'd said it. And... Uh, I did say that Chiefs were going to run riot and win 41-24, but then I kind of worked out that it probably won't be that free-flowing attacking football that we've all, all you know, all really kind of want in this kind of game. Um, I think I'm looking back at the, the Chiefs versus Rams. I mean, everybody remembers that game, don't they? One of the best games that's been around, uh, especially in the modern era. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to stick with it, I'm afraid. 41-24. Um, but that's... Love it. That's, 
that's hopeful <laughs> that the Chiefs offense clicks tonight. And I'm really hopeful that we see the, the real Chiefs offense tonight. Um, just to just to add as well, uh, yeah, the, the the Great British Chiefs show, if you're a Chiefs fan, um, head over to the Arrowhead. There's loads of content on there if you're a Chiefs fan. Uh, it's not just us us Brits talking about football or trying to talk about football as best as we can, but um, there's some detailed uh, podcasts on there uh, that go through all the game footage and all that kind of thing. And uh, Tom and I... We're just two British guys enjoying life at the minute on over on a an American network, believe it or not, um, and just having fun with it. We just uh, we bring a bit of humour to it. We just have a it's just two lads, almost like talking in a pub. It's it, that, that's what it feels like the podcast, and uh, that's what we like to bring to uh, to the network. Well, continued success with that, Brad. It's always fun to to have you on. And for any of our viewers, you can find Brad on Twitter at BritChiefUK. Tonight should be fascinating, but I think whichever, you know, even if the Chiefs don't win tonight, you're playoff bound. So uh, it'll be, uh, I think, an interesting January and February. But look, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us this evening. Appreciate it, fellas. Really enjoy these shows. Uh, but thanks for having us on. Thanks, Good man, Brad. Brad. See you down the stretch. You. Cheers, man. Thank you. Brad Simcox, Brit Chief. Uh, thanks, Billy, for Brad coming on. Enjoy the game tonight, mate. Um, enjoy the game. I'm not being biased. Uh, AFC game. West is the best great division game. in football. Great, great game. game. Yeah. It, it is a great game, Michael. Two young quarterbacks, best in the business and everything. I mean, it's good to see some solid quarterback play and exciting offences from the AFC West. Really good. There's a few, there, there are a few comments and questions to go. There's, I know there's a lot to go to here, but just for, we'll, we'll try and get in the comments very quickly here. Uh, right. So, Fred Flunks asked, um, will the, will the Giants keep the under 10 point loss this weekend? I guess, is it the Cowboys on Sunday, Brian? Yeah, seven, seven players missing through COVID as well. Just to just to show that on top. No, I'd imagine it'd be a blowout for the Cowboys. Um, there are, there Cow, are a few Cow, Cowboys comments. offense might play well for a change. <laughs> oh i can't wait to, well you're not on this week's preview show definitely not it's not it's not gonna happen right so i uh, i'm still folks gonna try and get brian to record a video and we'll put it on at the end and maybe hear how the giants are gonna beat the cowboys at the weekend but we'll see i'll give you, I'll give you my picks mike and that's about as far as i'll go i think okay okay uh, you some breaking news colin yeah well in terms of the covid stuff case keenum has now tested positive so yes keesum it will likely be Nick Mullins for the Browns. And that's that's uh, tonight. I mean, given what we have seen, we're now well over 100 players who are on the COVID list. We're going to see what happens between now and uh, kickoff, either, be it Saturday night or Sunday evening. I think... Uh, there will be a lot more twists and turns before this is uh, all uh, said and done. Surely this is getting to the stage where the league have to consider moving a game. I know they've been plugging with this week 16, whatever, sorry, what, week 15, this week 15, Saturday night doubleheader, they've got a great game you know, later on in the evening. But surely it gets to the stage where they just say enough is enough and they have to move a game. Essentially, the Browns are going to be crippled when it players out. I have a feeling if the caretaker was going to play a quarterback, that game goes on. After last year, nothing surprises me anymore. Like, and I mean that in a positive way. Well, do I mean it in the positive way? Probably not, not sure but I, like, nothing surprises me. 
Yeah, but Goodell forced through 256 games last year. He's not going to get anywhere other than forcing through 256 this year. I mean, if you're a Browns fan, I can only give you this one solace. Link Mullins is probably the best third-choice quarterback in the league. Like, he started and won some games with the 49ers. Like, he, he is competent. He's better than most of the first-choice quarterbacks at the Texans or the Jets, for example. And, yes, I include Zach Wilson in that. Um, but, like... <laughs> I know, I know. But still, um, there's a bit of a positive. It, 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 the, depth, the depth chart, however, is hilarious. The depth chart. If you look at the, the, the Browns' depth chart at the moment and just see all the COVID hits, they are going to almost be struggling to uh, put outside. Wasn't it Spencer Lansing that used to play two ways in Denver? I know Jacob Johnson's played a little bit two ways in the pads. You know, you need two-way players now. Some of play a bit of linebacker, a bit of fullback, get some snaps there. Well, I'm yeah. sure they, I'm sure they can put a wide receiver on. I mean, it won't be an issue. That's why the game will go ahead. One rule for one, one rule for all. They have yeah, to if, go ahead. Yeah, if, no, if, no, it was no, Jerry, no. if it was Jerry Jones in this mm. uh, position, uh, we might see Raj Goodell, uh, you know, take a, a slightly different look at it. I don't think you can compare last season to this season because we have a variation of different protocols in place this year. We have players who are vaccinated. We have players who are not vaccinated. We have players that have taken the booster. It's a completely different mindset. Like it's very, it's back to what Colm said very early on in the season, and it's it's you know it's starting to come to fruition now, which is this season will you know at some stage will lead to more destruction around COVID than we saw last year. The way that I see it as well, I know the playoffs are coming very soon for the NFL, and that's obviously the most important point of the season. But if I'm the NFL, I'm thinking, do you know what? We've got three three months. Let's bang it home unless it goes to the crap. Let's just get it done yep. because all they have to do is get to week 18 and get through minimal more amount of games. Of course, something's going to happen. Like, but you've seen tonight, there's loads of stuff going on here. 88,000 cases in England and the Premier League played tonight, uh, full grounds, full stadiums, two, almost two Anfields positive cases in England today. They'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that they won't meet, they won't finish the games. Americans lose their 256 games will get played. I just don't see why they, why there's such a adverse reaction to potentially pushing a game out by a couple of days. You know, I know there's all these different variations and protocols that they have to work through, so it may not even make sense to move a game out. But like the games will get played. Just why? What's the point? What's the point in the Browns playing this game, sorry? If they move that game to Tuesday, I'll happily go to it as long as somebody covers my flight home. Uh, Mark, you got a quick um, point. Sorry, go ahead. I know I was going to say, actually, bear in mind, they played 256 games last year. We've 17 games this year, so there's yeah. a few more okay. games this year that I'll end up playing. But, yeah. Pedantic, sorry. Try one another 16 there. 272. Uh, in terms of games and more games, uh, just very quickly, I thought the graphic would, fill, would fit the screen. Sorry, lads. The NFL International Home Marketing. Um. What does the S stand for, Colm? Do you know? No. Can't even begin. Well, this to this field miserably. Anyway, here's the countries, and here are the teams. What does this mean? These teams can promote their own uh, brand marketing in the country. They can um, develop links with local brands in the country. They can actually set up an office in the country. It, it's a win-win for a lot of different uh, teams, a lot of different uh, countries as well. Home marketing area. Thank you, Mark. Uh, very quickly for us, if you look at the UK, uh, Chicago Bears, Jaguars, Dolphins, Vikings, Jets, 49ers, Spain, Bears, Dolphins, Rams seem, seem to want to have a Monday night football game at 12.30 local time in the in the afternoon in Melbourne, which would be nice. Brazil, Dolphins, 
Mexico is half the league for some reason. I'm only joking. And the Vikings and the Seahawks seem to run Canada. But the one that stands out for me, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Bucks in Deutschland. Now, it matters. I, I am like convinced the Patriots, Mark, Patriots fan here. Look, we mentioned the Patriots. are not playing tonight. I think the Patriots will be the team to play in Germany in 2022. You've got there as the ambassador. They visited uh, Foxborough three or four weeks ago. Yeah. They also visited our head three or four weeks ago. I think it's a matter of time, but it looks like Munich also, but you must be delighted right now. Oh, no, I'm, I'm chuffed, and I think it's great. And as you guys know, unfortunately, I couldn't make a show uh, a couple of months ago. I was actually in Munich and uh, exploring some things. So we already have our uh, sponsorship arrangement and the uh, where our show for Munich will be uh, already. That's good, gentlemen. So uh, that's going to be a bit of fun that weekend. Uh, the Irish NFL show does Munich. So I can't wait for the formal announcement, especially so as it's the Pats. I think I called out before, the Pats historically try to get in early. Like, whereas the Packers like don't want to play internationally unless they're absolutely compelled to, the Pats were one of the first teams playing in London. You know, early days, I think 2009 they played. They weren't the very first, but they were early enough. First team playing in Mexico, one of the first teams playing in Mexico. So they're like, hey, we want to get our international commitments out of the way. We want to break the seal. Um, but equally we want to almost clear the decks. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them in Germany. Um, really hope it does happen. The Jacob Johnson, the Sebastian Vollmer links are very strong. You know, maybe the Colts, Bjorn Werner, obviously another famous German who, who made it in the league. And we all know the strength of the German passion under NFL Europe. So they're delighted. Can't wait for that to be announced. And, you know, we expect that imminently. And, uh, as you said, boys, we'll be there. Looking forward to it immensely, whether it's the, the Pats versus the Giants, Pats versus the Broncos, or maybe it's not the Pats at all. That might be the, the sad and upsetting thing, but we'll see how it goes. Um, it, you say, it, yeah. No, Gwen, I've got a long story for you. So, Gwen, you go first. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I, I've got a bit of a buffer on my side. I'll go very quickly. Um, yeah, basically just talking about there. There's a couple of comments there. Jerry saying, will the Pats give up a home game? It doesn't really matter because they can be a, a home or away team in, in this market and I'm quite confident that that's going to happen. I think, I think there'll be a home team in an extra game next season. It could be the Vikings, could be the Bengals. Yeah. Germany will get a hell of a game to kick it off. But I think the Chiefs will play the year after that or the year after that. Germany will get big games, big teams. There are more German NFL fans than there are fans in the UK and Ireland. And they also get two games at 6 p.m. and two games at 9 p.m. on a Sunday. One of which, or two of which, are on free television. So there's a huge market over there, and the Germans deserve it. Uh, as much as anybody else does. And uh, I don't know what the word is for congratulations. Yeah, Michael, what, one thing on the games, of course, like next year, the Pats have nine and eight this year, nine home games, eight away games. Next year will be eight and nine. So they're probably less mm. likely to go up home game next year. I mean, we talked a little bit at the start of the season about the competitive disadvantage the Falcons effectively gave up because they gave up a home game in a season where they were on an eight and nine split. So there might be nuances with the 17-game schedule where you kind of predict, well, is it going to be a team that's already got nine home games that gives up one of them and effectively equalizes their season or equalizes their, their schedule uh, in that regard? Great story on New York Sports Radio this morning. Two expansion teams in the NFL in 10 years. Um, who was the former ambassador to America when he, in, based in the UK? Woody Johnson. And Woody Johnson, Jets are on the UK list. And that the, the New York Jets will, in fact, be the first team to to move to the UK. It won't be the Jags. Woody Johnson will take them over. And then one of the expansion teams will be a new New York team that will get a stadium built in Queens and they will be the new version of the Jets. 
it went on for hours and hours today. I can send you the transcript. It was actually really, really interesting. Hopeful and thinking I'm, or wishful I'm, thinking I'm for the Jets fans. Get rid of the old Jets and we'll have a new Jets in. Column the Patriots in 2022 are at the Browns, at the Packers. <laughs> like that's gonna happen. At the Dolphins, at the Vikings, uh, at the Jets, at the Steelers, and not an AFC West team, not an NFC West team, TBD. Just I would, I would imagine if the, if the if it is to be the Patriots playing over there, I'd imagine it'll be a, a, team, a game against an NFC side. And with the NFC side being the home team. I don't think they will take a, a, an AFC clash out for that fourth game. But we'll see. I just think they'll they'll find a way to kind of give a bit of everything for all the fans. And that's why the NFC team and the AFC team will... The, the, the one exception might be Brian Summer like the Jags or something if they're on the schedule. I actually don't have the bad schedule. I in front think of the me. Jags are so committed to the London situation. I think the Jags will be in London. One final point on that, actually, Colin, I'm going to get you in here as well on this. Uh, the Jags seem to be tweeting a lot about Wembley over the last 24 hours. No idea there. A lot of people reached out, either replying or DMing over the last 24 hours, Colin, saying, why would the Steelers, for example, not look at the Irish market at the minute? This is not a short-term thing. They can apply for this every year if they want. But, Colin, you know, Ireland is a small population. They're always going to have that affinity there to the, to, to the Rooney family. So, Maybe in a business sense, it doesn't really matter for them at the minute, but you never know down the stretch. Yeah, in the future, I'm sure, Michael, some of this came about because they're looking to potentially do things in markets where they haven't done things before. And for the Steelers, they're like, well, we've played a preseason game in Ireland. Granted, for us, it was a long time ago. We'd like to see them back. But some of this would have come about because teams are looking uh, to to do things in in alternative markets obviously we would love to uh to see you know the the Steelers the Patriots who, whoever kind of uh look to and as i said it is something that can be looked at with on a year by year basis so who knows in maybe 2 3 years time they uh, they may look at it again yeah, and imagine there's some teams that will have a wait and see approach. Let's see how it works out and plays out over the first twelve months. For you know, when you get together at these uh, yearly off-season uh, meetings, you know the, the league yearly meeting that usually takes place around May, and by the end next year there'll be some kind of feedback as to how it's gone commercially, financially for the teams, and that maybe other teams will will row in on the back of that. Like the Packers aren't there, the Giants aren't there, Steelers aren't there. Um, I think some of them will get involved at some stage. Yep, I've reached out to the Cedars for comment on that as well. Mark, ready to get to the game? Well, just one thing before we go to the game, and because I, we don't do a lot of college football on on this show, but it, I think it's worth commenting on the fact um, that this week we saw probably the number one um, prospect, whether he's number one, number two, uh, but Deion Sanders flipping uh, the the number one uh, prospect in Travis Hunter uh, to go to Jackson State. That is huge. It's great news for HBCUs. Um, Shannon Sharp was talking about it. Shannon, obviously a, a product of the HBCU system and what a player he was, but it's a testament to, to Dion and, and his uh, recruiting I imagine uh, it's pretty difficult to say no to to Dion. It felt a little bit like that story of when Fergie went to play pool or snooker with Roy Keane, 
and uh, you know he ended up flipping him. But I think that's huge news. And obviously, uh, Steve Weiss, who's we've had on the show, um, has been uh, doing a lot of work around the HBCU Legacy Bowl and a combine. So it's all coming to together there. I just think it's definitely worth commenting on because the fact that he flipped him um, is uh, quite the the story, and in in the future could have an impact. So. Definitely, uh, Dion is uh, is a man doing things in the college game. Um, Dion also, I think he now has four of the top ESPN top three hundred recruits going to Jackson State. One of which, of course, he might have had a bit more sway over uh, is his son, uh, who's all Bowman Town's a talented, a counter talented cornerback. So, uh, who who better to learn from? But can I just suggest a moratorium on any story involving Fergie? Just, just, just thrown out there. I know it's three Man United fans. I might not win on this, but I'm just, just suggesting it. Just thrown it out there. If, if you can, if there, if there is another story about somebody else flipping somebody in the manner of going and visiting their house when they've already given a verbal commitment to a team, absolutely, we, we can definitely use that. That one just seemed very appropriate in it this does. context. Colin, Colin, be careful. Marcus are flipping pizza at you like the Arsenal players in the tunnel. Boys, we have some breaking news here. So if you give me 30 seconds and everyone looks pretty for literally 30 seconds, we'll bring it on the screen. Okay, we can't retweet it. Nobody retweet it, boys. Uh, here we go, two seconds. This is an interesting piece of news. We're going to get our game picks in 30 seconds. Here is the screenshot. And thank you for that lovely patience. Baker Mayfield, NFL, make up your damn mind on protocols. Showing up and making only three teams test, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Also, you can keep the game a schedule to make money. That has been tweeted in the last 13 minutes. Um, oh. I should focus on his play and stop worrying about protocols. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but okay. sorry. Like, I mean, what yeah. do you, Baker? Yes. Like, you're not breaking any news there. The NFL cares about keeping the games on schedule and making <laughs> money. Like, this is not world like I mean, breaking news tweet. There has been a, a tweet that that published. Look, here, I'm just delighted to see a Browns player take a stand on their own. He didn't have his dad tweet it out. He didn't have his agent tweet it out. He tweeted it out himself. Kudos to Baker Mayfield for at least taking a, a stand on things. Maybe some of his teammates should take a, a leaf out of Baker's book on that. Maybe his, maybe his wife tweeted it. Okay, okay. Let's get to the picks ahead of the game tonight. First off, we are presented by our friends over at Matchbook Betting Exchange, at Team Matchbook on Twitter. And it's Andrew Bonus called Irish NFL Show, £15, €15. Welcome offer depending on the location you're in. All the TNCs are below. Um, are there any bets that we can talk about, Brian, before we, before we actually give away our picks? Over and under, I'd say it's quite high for this game. I think it's in it's around fifty one. I haven't actually looked at the offer for this game, I think, but I think I saw it, it, it from 51. 54 and a half. 54, 54 and a half. That's very, very high. That's college football uh numbers for overs. I found it interesting at the start of the week the Chiefs were four and a half points in terms of favourites and it's dropped down to minus three. And was um you know, Rashawn Slater was taking up so much of the talk in terms of whether he would play, and obviously he's been ruled out because of COVID. I think the, the Jones factor and then him being ruled out for the Chiefs is bigger for the bookies than the Slater situation. So it's interesting. The line has dropped to minus three, which essentially is not far off a picking game, and it kind of reflects on how close these two teams are because when they played each other earlier on in the season, I think it was week three when we were up in Belfast at the event, um, it came down to the wire and it was a late touchdown. So... Um, I think we've got a great game in store and 
from look we'll go into picks now indeedy uh team matchbook more and m at the weekend code irish and a foul show for your bonus the chiefs are currently minus 3.0 favorites the over and under is 54.5 uh courage friends if you're going to go on that one tonight uh, it's time to look ahead to the game tonight it's time to get our picks in for the game uh it's, it's time for first night football picks presented by matchbook betting exchange we have got the eight and five los angeles san antonio san diego london chargers going up against andy reed cheeseburger nine and four Kansas city chiefs 120 a.m on sky sports nfl and on the nfl game pass C Dizzle, who have you got? Uh, I think this this is one away. where, like losing Chris Jones is an enormous loss for the Chiefs because I think alongside, you know, Ingram coming in, but moving Jones back inside, uh, Mark and I were, were talking about this, I think, a week and a half two weeks ago that pressure from the inside now you need your your rushers as well but the pressure from the inside is is one of the most crucial aspects on defense because that affects everything else if you get a push up the middle and then you have the the rushers coming in from the side the qb has nowhere to go and that is one thing that denver actually did really well against the the chargers and and it limited um herbert because if you give justin herbert time he can make all the throws yes patrick mahomes can absolutely make them as well but so can justin herbert so losing jones will he's one of the best in in the game you know along aaron donald is the standout but chris jones is a monster and a game wrecker so losing that will definitely impact but i just think that the Chargers are so reliant on Herbert in particular to win. It, it, it all comes down to him and, and him making magic happen. The Chiefs haven't needed Mahomes to be Superman this year. They have found other ways to, to get it done. The, Brandon Staley is building something with the Chargers. And, you know, next year and the year after, they'll uh, be stronger for it. Can they win this game? They can. But... I think in the base of probabilities, the Chiefs are going to win this. They are going 10 and 4, and they will win the AFC West. Yeah, I think Rashawn Slater is a bigger loss to the Chargers offensive line than Jones being out of his game. I think Frank Clark recently, despite all his troubles off the field and all the things that went on recently with that, he seems to have come back to his own in terms of how he's playing. And obviously, it's worked in terms of Ingram coming in, and they're obviously moving players around. So if he goes up against what we got from Gilbert, you know, we can see straight away, but the concern he has around the fact that Rashawn Slater coming in hasn't been very effective when he's played and this is towards season. He still hasn't, you know, really set the world alight. So I can see them struggling there. And this Chiefs defense, you know, we've touched on it time and time again. They're winning the games for this team. Um, it's hard to say whether Mahomes, once he'd be very confident in the back of a really good performance last week, it's hard to know how good that offense was because we've seen in the two games in which they played the Raiders. We discussed it the first time around. We discussed it last week that Chris Bradley didn't do anything to change around the structure of that defense. So like, you, you have to kind of take that bear that in mind. But if you're asking me who I trust more, do I trust Mahomes or Herbert? I trust Mahomes. And they're on, a, they're on a right right run at the moment. And I think they'll be trying to get this win because they know come the weekend with the Pats, Colts and the, the Titans and the Steelers, it's a big weekend. We, just got, we said it in the interview with, KG, with BJ that this weekend is significant 
in terms of who gets the number one seed. So for me, I think it'll be a great game, a high-scoring game. Still think it'll be the under 54, but I think the Chiefs will come out on top. There's so many matchups and kind of angles to this game. Even with our great guests on earlier on, we probably still haven't had a chance to address uh, to the right level. Like Austin Eckler and Derwin James are both questionable. Like if neither or one of them doesn't play, that's a big loss to the Chargers. Especially when you consider Derwin James being one of the better safeties in the league, you're kind of hoping or hope, uh, relying upon him to be part of the containment strategy on Travis Kelsey or indeed uh, Mr. Hill, one way or the other. Um, the reality is that there's very few ways in which the Chargers match up well in this. Like their run defense is appalling. Like the Chiefs can run the ball. Joe Tooney's a really strong, uh, great guard. He's performed great for the Chiefs all season. Clyde Edwards Hilaire can run the ball. They can they can do it in increments if they need to. Um, whilst Herbert has the amazing arm, you know, um, we alluded to it, uh, Gilbert, sorry, alluded to it earlier on, three missing starters on their offensive line and the inconsistency there doesn't help him get the ball down the field. And we touched on it sh the, the show earlier in the year, the wide receivers aren't getting enough separation. They're not fast enough. So defenses are able to cheat up more and more against them. And yes, this Chiefs defense is absolutely on its head. For those reasons and many others, we probably don't have time to get into, even though Chris Jones, I think, is a big loss for the Chiefs. There isn't really many logical ways in which the Chargers can win this game. And I've been saying all along, the Chiefs are going to go on a tear and they're going to get back to fruition. However, this is 2021 and the NFL has certainly not been built significantly on logic. Earlier on this season, I called out the Chargers Chiefs game and said the Chargers need to win this to prove that they actually can win the big games, that it's their coming out part, it's their opportunity. And whilst they've obviously slipped back with some unforgivable losses, I mean, they lost to the Broncos, for Christ's sake, guys. The Chargers are a team who I think are in the ascendancy. They have the next great quarterback in this league. And this could be one of the defining moments. And sure, who wouldn't like the bit of crack of the Chiefs being one of the most dangerous wildcard teams, potentially of all time, looming around the AFC playoff picture? It's not logical. It doesn't properly make sense. But sod it, I'm going with the Chargers to win tonight. I should have brought the rave music ready for that. Uh, Mark, you had me all the way there. I, you did it very end. I assumed you were going Chiefs. And... Okay. I've been making notes on this for the last two or three days. And for some reason, on my computer at the very, very top, I'm doing like Neil Reynolds now. I'm doing the computerized notes. You know, I need you to stick the pictures all in this. I've got Colin winning the Roses for Lee for Abu Dhabi, Brian driving a Donegal, Mark getting curtains for the back window. Is that in relation to a game pick a couple of weeks ago? I don't know what that is. It was, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, but I'm going to delete it now and we'll never see it again. This game is a really tough one to pick because both teams are battling COVID and it's a short week. Last week, the Chargers got a double hike, Keenan Allen, who will be out for this game as well. I think. With Austin Eckler, it's it's an interesting situation. He's playing tonight, but you know, there's no Chris Jones, and this Chiefs offense has been lackluster. It has been lackluster. It looked really good last week, but then again, the the Raiders didn't show up last week, and I mean, they're not playing the Raiders tonight. They're going to SoFi Stadium. They're going to play Justin Herbert and the Chargers, who I would think could put up at least maybe two or three passing touchdowns. Take away the opposition. I mean, we're talking here about this, this Chiefs defense. That, that's fine. That's fine. And I know LA is one of the worst teams stopping the run. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, do the Chiefs have a running game? A, a long running game? 
they got good special teams. Let's see what happens. The Chiefs will probably be boosted by the return of Niang and to reduce his opportunities for Herbert against a defense without Willie Gay as well. Um, Rashawn Slater, obviously, out, but I think Trey Pippins can come in and do a decent enough job. Whenever uh, Joe Lombardi, who's the OC, is talking so highly about him, I think they'll be okay. The key for this game is getting to Mahomes. If they, you know, forget, about the, forget about the Chiefs' defense. Justin Herbert's got an arm. He can throw the down ball, boys. If they can get to Mahomes, they can win this game. Mahomes has got 12 interceptions this season. He had two against uh, the Chargers earlier on in the season. Um, they won that game. They won that game, what, 30 to 23. The consistency of the Chiefs over the first 15 weeks of the season, albeit one of them was in the bye week, on the offense hasn't been good enough. And we can sit here and we can keep talking about, yes, the Chiefs have done this, the Chiefs have done that. Their defense is fantastic and they're getting it done and they're getting the wins and that's a sign of champions, whatever. I don't really care. I think the Chiefs' defense is great. They're showing how good it is over the last few years. But tonight's game is both is both huge for not just the defense, but also the offense. I think Mahomes is going to struggle tonight going up against the Chargers. And I think what he will do is he'll try and have a short, snappy pass, maybe 5 to 10 to 12 yards to Travis Kelsey. If that doesn't work, he'll start handing it off. And if the Chargers can get to him, they have a chance of winning this game. Almost done. Um I'm, I'm just going to stop now. The Chargers are going to win the game. I think they're going to win the game. There's no reason why they can't win the game. And I think if they win the game tonight, they're going to win the AFC West because I think they'll win their last three games. And I think the AFC West needs this badly, badly, badly tonight. And I don't think the Chiefs are as good as they may have looked last week. I'm not saying they're not going to I mean they could win tonight, but I don't think they're anywhere near as good as what the Raiders made them look last week. And for that reason, I'm taking the Chargers. So you're saying that there's no way the Broncos will beat the Chargers in, in the back end of the season? In LA, I think if the Broncos, look. Well, assume think, when you're saying they're going to win the division, I would say, I, I, I'd flip it on its head and say if the Chiefs win tonight, I think the Chiefs will be the number one seed. Because with all your respect. Well, yeah, if, if the Chiefs win tonight, they, they will win the AFC West. I think, well, but then, if, if they, well, if if they win this to tonight, I think yeah, they win the division. But then they start really, they really then start turning their attention to the number one seed. And with all due respect to the Patriots on a great run and going to the playoffs, I still think there's a, a loss there at some stage towards the end of the season, whether it's this weekend or against the Bills the week after. So I think Chiefs, you could say Chiefs are in a prime position to get the number one seed again as well. So so much on this game. There, no, there is, Massive. and the the big thing about this game as well is that they are going up against somebody in Staley who isn't going to do what what the Raiders did. Yeah, Mahomes is going to face that cover two shell thing that he doesn't like. Now, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is smart enough to figure it out. He's still young. He's still impetuous. It's understandable that he doesn't like it, but he's going to have to take the, the underneath stuff. So if he's thrown those 10-yard passes, Michael, I think that's a good thing if he's not taking the shots because the worry would be that if he takes the shots, he throw it into... To coverage so it it will be interesting um yeah team most teams are going to go with the you know the way in which you slow this uh cheese offense and uh look at what the raiders did and go don't do that i'm taking the over by the way 54. so i think one pass and touch time and you'll hand it off for the rest that's my that's, it's a high over, but you can see it. I mean, they're two explosive, on their day, explosive teams. Obviously, we haven't seen the explosion from the Chiefs as much. But I, look, I, think, I, um, I think the over, sorry, Mark, I think the over does a disservice to how well this Chiefs defense has played recently, where they've only yeah. conceded nine points in each game for the last three games. 
well, I mean, that's why I say theoretically, look what the Ravens did to the Chargers. Like, you know, the capability to be shut down. Why didn't I pick the Chargers again, by the way? But yeah, still, <laughs> um, I'm picking the Chargers. Um, I, I will say, just on the number one seed point, just one quick thing is uh, bear in mind the Chiefs did lose to the Titans. So it's not just the Pats in that conversation about number one seed. It is the Titans as well. Uh, most people have the tiebreaker, even the Ravens as well, over the Chiefs because their conference record's been so poor. So just a by-the-by in terms of either direct tiebreakers or conference tiebreakers. And look, tonight, Michael, you've gone with them. I've gone with the Chargers. We're channeling Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston because they can be I don't want love for Christmas when you tomorrow. believe. So we believe. Frankie Lane, you saying I believe in 1953 as well. 18 weeks, number one, uh, followed up by Robson Jerome. So belief is all around us today. We've went on longer than the Premier League match. Colm, uh, you have something you want to talk about? Just the uh, big news for these boys and uh, a game-changing announcement here. <laughs> well, we're an hour and 10 minutes uh, from my birthday and we are in the Christmas season and I love documentaries. And I saw a tweet earlier today uh, that said, would this not be one of the great, truly great documentaries? If you had, The 30 for 30 series is amazing, but look at that. The 2008 Gators, Meyer, Tebow, Cam, Aaron Hernandez, That's Riley unreal. Cooper, Joe Hayden, Janoris Jenkins, and the Housey brothers. That would be ridiculously good television. Please, ESPN, go and get that done. You think of the career curve of Percy Harvin, even. Like, I mean, probably one of the most underrated names on that list about being such a dynamic influence on one Super Bowl and then never reaching his peak in various times and injury prone, but still so dynamic. That that would be an unbelievable show. Good call. i just and like happy, to wish... Happy 45th, Colin. Well done. Well, I think it's actually his happy fourth. Happy Yeah, I'd like to watch it, and I'm going to celebrate it tomorrow in good style. Thanks. Why are you going out for like a week, cup of tea or something in Bailey's or what was the crack? Uh, a week cup of tea from uh, early afternoon. Lovely. I am um, hopefully. That's Brian going in. drinking for my birthday, not me going drinking for my birthday. <laughs> hopefully tweeting from the games this weekend. We have a bit of a weird schedule this week now. We've got a show tomorrow night at nine o'clock. It's pre-recorded, so who knows what's going to happen with COVID. Uh, Polly Clifford, GA All-Star carry player is on the show uh brian couldn't unfortunately make it i'm sure i'm sure he'll be on for, for, for when david comes on but great chat in the potty big steelers fan you can watch that tomorrow night along with our picks for the games please be wary that they are pre-recorded and then we have a show out earlier on the saturday 12 o'clock so you can catch up all weekend get ahead of all the games and it's it's a weird weekend with the picks but sure it's a bit of crack as well and we will uh, see the crack boys ahead of week 15 in the nfl hopefully nafit doesn't mess the whole thing up for me and uh, sure if they do, I just go up, I go up north anyway and I can say I'm self-isolated. That was a joke. Of course, we're going to stay a bit of rules. Green Bay, Baltimore on Sunday and uh, Monday Night Football on Monday. And I'm sure, Brian, you'll be live. I'm going to go live at 2 a.m. on Monday night. Yeah, you can go live. Lovely. Lovely good, good to hear Monday Night Football still on Monday, Michael. That's, that's really good to hear. <laughs> it is. And uh, unfortunately for you, Mark, the show is going to go out very early on Monday. I'm very sorry about that, but sure, we'll see the crack then. Uh, boys, have a good night. Thanks a million for coming on. Have a good weekend. Take care. See you later. Keep her lit. Good night. Thanks for all the comments. See you later. Yeah, good luck. <laughs>